Listener Production. A disappointing end to the week sees Wall Street end in negative territory. And Aussie shares are expected to edge lower on Monday with buy now, pay later shares in focus. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday the 22nd of May. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, fresh week always brings with it new challenges. Fresh hope. Fre- I think hope. Unless you're a Carlton supporter, of course, Tom. And thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the most important game of the year with an underwhelming outcome for the baggers. But well, at least manly one on the weekend. That was unexpected in the nation's capital. <laughs> well, um, you would have thought that moving from those balmy coastal temperatures that the seagulls are accustomed to, they adjusted very well to um, those uh, frosty mornings in the uh, capital. Tommy Turbo's back. And I would have thought his hamstring perhaps might not, not have done as well in the cold, but uh, there you go. Indeed. Speaking of hamstrings... There's a vulnerability to these markets at the moment and it all turns around what's going on in the US with the debt ceiling conversation. No matter what else is happening in the background at the moment, this is really the issue du jour, as the frogs would say. Can I say that? Is that going to offend the frogs? US House Speaker Kevin McCarthy halted negotiations on Friday over an extension of the country's debt limit until Joe Biden returned from the G7 summit in Japan. But we did see some developments over the course of the weekend. And President Joe Biden, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, will now meet in person on Monday to resume negotiations around the debt ceiling. Nevertheless, that weighed on share markets on Friday. It did indeed. They were so upbeat on the penultimate session of the week, Ryan. And then to see that end uh, on Saturday morning, I was a little bit disappointed, to be frank. The Nasdaq down by 0.2 of a percent, the S&P 500 down 0.1, and the Dow Jones down by a third of a percent. I think well, it's actually valuable to understand the political context here because the Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, he required 15 votes to ascend to that level. And the reason for that is because of the divisions within the Republican Party. You have got the extreme right and uh, Mr. McCarthy wasn't sufficiently right-leaning for for that ultra-right group of uh, Republican members. And And you've got President Trump on the sidelines, no doubt. Indeed, indeed. So the concessions that were seen to be made by Mr. McCarthy the day before uh, I, I read some U.S. newspapers at the weekend. It was suggested that perhaps he attracted the ire of the ultra-right group and wasn't happy with the ground that was seated in this discussion. So this gives you a sense of what's going on in the background in relation to U.S. politics, which are extremely nasty at the best of times, but in these sorts of moments, uh, particularly so. We've got a U.S. election in 2024, yes, so indeed. that's the backdrop to all of this. So that really did impact markets on Friday. But of course, we heard from US Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell as well, didn't we? We heard from a few important voices, Mr. Powell amongst them. Oh, the concession that he made was quite significant because of, of every Fed speaker to a person has been militant about the need to keep raising interest rates. But uh, Mr. Powell's words cast a slightly different spin on things. Well, there was a big emphasis from Powell on financial stability with the banking sector malaise in the US, but developments there, on the other hand, he said, are contributing to tighter credit conditions and are likely to weigh on economic growth, hiring and inflation. So that was seen as slightly dovish in that 
there's less focus on inflation. He thinks that perhaps the US economy may need some support down the track and markets are now pricing in the very low expectations of a rate hike from the Fed in June. Indeed. So the moves for interest rates uh, on Friday were modest, just small moves higher for two-year Treasury notes, which rose by one basis point to 4.28%. A 10-year Treasury note was up by around three basis points to 3.68%. Equally, the words that were offered by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she spoke about the calamitous impact of a default. And, you know, we've only essentially got a week to, to run uh, in which the Congress needs to resolve this. Um, but she also spoke about uh, the potential for more consolidation in the banking sector as well. She did. She made a couple of comments, as you mentioned. She said on Sunday that hard choices will need to be made about which bills will go unpaid if the debt ceiling is not raised. And then in relation to the banking sector, she told chiefs of large lenders that more bank mergers may be needed, and that sent the KBW Regional Bank Index down by 2.2%. The interesting thing for me on Friday was that you saw uh, a desire for the technology stocks to continue moving higher. The Philadelphia Semiconductor Index was making that that move higher in early trade. It actually finished with a small loss, but... What's more interesting is over the back end of the month, you have seen a clear leadership from this index. So uh, the S&P 500 since the middle of the month is up by about 2.8%. The NASDAQ is up by about 4%, but the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index is up by 15%. It's amazing, but there may be some news that may unhinge that move on Monday. We heard from China yesterday and it's delivered the latest salvo in its escalating semiconductor war with the United States, announcing that Micron technology products have failed to pass a cybersecurity review in the country. Yes, this is interesting, isn't it? So uh, this happens from time to time, uh, and it is, I suppose, geopolitics in, in action. It's not an overt comment, but the subtext of it is incredibly important. Because of the mystery and uh, associated with that subtext, it can create some uncertainty where the markets are concerned. So quite important to see how uh, the, the, those chip stocks perform in the early part of this week, given the extraordinary strength that we saw in the last week, but also since the middle of the month, as I said. Well, that's right. And Micron derived about 11% of its revenue from mainland China in its last fiscal year. So while that's relatively low compared to other major tech firms, much of the world's electronics production goes through Chinese factories in some way, and China's move could have the potential to harm Micron's customer relationships. Indeed. But as we spoke about on Friday, the uh, Americans and the Japanese are not flat-footed in relation to the, these issues, that massive investment in relation to chip-making in Japan, uh, advanced micro-devices at the forefront of all of that. If you want to listen to Friday's podcast, you can get a sense of what that was uh, all about. So just quickly reflecting on the fortunes of last week. So outside of the outperformance for technology stocks, what stood out to me, Ryan, is that there wasn't any clear driver of what might influence the other sectors in individual terms. It was very much a company by company situation. The retail space was a good example of that. We saw... Footlocker, one of your favourite stores. You love your Stan Smiths. 
the footwear retailer shares were down by 27% on Friday. After what a the, fall, though, 27%. Yeah, it's a big one after it cut its annual sales and profit forecasts. And the company reduced its full-year outlook, citing a tough macroeconomic backdrop. So clearly they're expecting less sneakers to be sold. And we saw Nike shares and Under Armour shares down by up to 4.2% on the back of that news. So certainly the outlook for retailers is far more challenging with high borrowing costs and cost of living pressures. And that is interesting in the context of you know, the power commentary as well, because that's giving us a sense that perhaps the peak in interest rates is closer at hand. And to see that kind of an aggressive response where the retail stocks are concerned is quite telling. And certainly consumer spending and the labour market are the key f- focuses of the US Federal Reserve at the moment. The point of lifting interest rates quite significantly is to reduce that demand in the economy and certainly to have a rebalancing between supply and demand take place for economic growth going forward. Indeed. So just looking ahead to this day and this week, indeed, the uh, share market is expected to kick off with a small deficit of around 0.2% of a percent as far as this morning's session is concerned. When you look out over this week, Ryan, there's not all that much on the local front that stands out to me in terms of being uh, potentially influential in the bigger picture. It all very much resides offshore. We've got an RBNZ policy meeting on Wednesday. There are two um, central banks outside of Australia that are always worth watching, apart from the Fed, and that's the Bank of Canada and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. And our friends across the ditch are expected to lift interest rates by a whopping 50 basis points, according to our colleagues at ASB. And that would take the cash rate in New Zealand to 5.75%, which is quite eye-watering. So those Auckland home prices could be under pressure. And the interesting thing about Auckland home prices is that they're analogous to Sydney house prices. Sydney house prices have been showing signs of a a resurgence. Uh, They have been quite strong historically. There are quite close parallels between Auckland property and Sydney property, interestingly enough. Uh, on a slightly, there are probably a few more zeros associated with. Uh, well, I was Sydney just going to say, just on the property market, since Australians love talking about the property market, home auction clearance rates hit a 15 month high over the most recent weekend. And certainly we are seeing quite a significant pickup in activity in the Australian housing market at the moment, Tom. So in terms of uh, other events of the week, look, we've got a a smattering of AGMs and a few updates from Australian corporates, but nothing that is going to sort of widen the eyes terribly much. We've got Webjet uh, in the middle of the week with an earnings update. We've got some AGMs towards the end of the week in particular, but really the week will not be at an end until we get those US inflation figures well, that's right. So on the, on the US inflation front, we get the personal consumption expenditure deflate. I love saying that term. I know it doesn't get a few old. Doesn't so get old. So that's the Fed's or the US Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation. They target 2%. We're expecting to see the year-on-year growth rate for the core number, which excludes volatile food and energy prices at about 4.6%. So well above the target. And of course, that continues to apply some pressure to the Fed to lift interest rates. So just quickly, for those who might not be familiar with these uh, data points, the PCE deflator is a measure of inflation that is calculated based on what US workers uh, made over the course of the last month, uh, and then what they did with those earnings, how they spent it, and then 
comes down to a neat calculation and it's one of the inputs that the US Fed uses when they are having a conversation about interest rates. But in terms of the Aussie market this week, there's a couple of developments, Tom, that are quite exciting. So buy now, pay later, according to the Financial Review over the weekend, will be regulated under credit laws and companies in the sector will have to determine that products are suitable for their users under responsible lending obligations. So apparently the Australian Financial Services Minister, Stephen Jones, will make this announcement in a speech today. So look out for those buy now, pay later stocks today, after pay, zip, hum, latitude and the like. They could be under some pressure. Anything else stand out for you this week, Ryan? Well, in terms of today, Tom, the other stocks or shares to look out for could be lithium. So what we did see on Friday's lithium giant SQM in Chile and it released its first quarter update and revealed softer profits. So this was due to higher stockpiles across the battery supply chain, which hit demand. So some of those lithium shares, Core Lithium, Pilbara, for example, they could be under some pressure today on the back of that news. And just quickly, there continues to be M&A activity in the gold space. St. Barbara Limited and Silver Lake Resources will also be in watch after the latter improved the takeover offer of its former Leonora assets. So that's something to look out for. The gold price is up by 1.1% on Friday. Indeed. Oil prices were lower at the weekend. Also, uh, the US and European benchmarks down by around 0.4%. And we had iron ore futures slightly softer in the final session of the week, down by around 0.2% to $107.10 US per tonne. Uh, the Aussie dollar has essentially consolidated at the end of last week, so it's trading around 66.4 US cents. Ryan, have a wonderful day. Happy Monday to all, Indeed. if that's possible. Indeed, and Monday is a great day. So the afternoon market update with Laura and Stevie, a must listen if you want to be informed about what's happened during the day. So please tune in for that. And thanks very much for supporting us on Monday. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.